Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello, I'm Ollie Mann, and on today's show, the BBC Trust hints that the closure of its youth channel is not a done deal. Plus, more cuts at the Beeb, this time in news, as Panorama loses its staff, but there appears to be an investment in digital jobs. And Rupert Murdoch has his sights on Time Warner, as a new season of everyone's favourite media game show, Consolidation, gets underway in the States. This is the Media Podcast, sponsored by Booth. Well, outside it's uh, over 30 degrees Celsius. We're in the middle of a heat wave. Protect yourself. That's what we're being told. God knows what the temperature is in here in our Soho studios. Producer Matt has hidden all of the thermometers. Uh, but through the haze, I can make out the figure of media writer Maggie Brown. Uh, and beside her, I believe, that is the Director of Broadcasting at City University London, Liz Howell. Thank you both for coming. No, your, your specs haven't missed it up. <laughs> We're here. I'm right. What has been happening in your media weeks? Maggie, I know that you've been talking to Channel 4 about Utopia. Well, I think that they had big hopes for this new this returning drama series which of course has a rather distinct appeal to men young men uh, because of its violence and its its graphic novel side in fact the two first episodes went out monday and tuesday of this week and the first one got just half a million or so which uh, is a very poor audience at 10 o'clock for something that has been so crafted and anticipated but it's a really elusive audience isn't it the the young male audience everyone wants them and it's very very hard to find them because i know when we were when i was running bravo channel as part of the FlexTech small empire. It was very, very difficult to get those guys and keep them. And the only one that's really succeeded seems to be Dave, which is great, but is reliant on old titles. So could it just be that that audience has gone somewhere else at that time of night, but they'll come back? It's perfectly possible that they have. And of course, these are the sort of people who can catch up and, and find it elsewhere on 4OD. What I was surprised about was actually how, f- how rapidly Channel 4 brought it in after the World Cup. And also, hello, it is 32 degrees outside, you know, is this yes, just bad timing? It's a seasonal factor. And that's really, really important in the summer. I mean, the audiences do drop or change, and well, both, and it's very, very hard to, to keep people watching when it's very, very warm. But mm. this is not going to help Channel 4's overall sense of unease of its own position within the the British television mm. market, as we can see mergers happening among independents, we can see Channel 5 being bought up, and we have Channel 4 trying very hard to battle to hold on to a 6% share of its main audience. This is what it, it's about as well, attracting a certain size of audience as well as the right demographics. Yes, because this is the seismic shift, actually. It's uh, it's not necessarily what the BBC is doing with production and so on. It is the, the huge conglomerates getting involved and buying up. 
totally different from the way we would have expected things to look six months ago. Of which more later. And Liz, uh, I know that uh, last time you were here, you were kind of announcing really what you're going to be doing regarding uh, Diversity Watch. How's that been going for you? Well, that's gone very interestingly. Uh, We are looking at diversity in primetime television on five main channels, and we've been funded by the Guardian Edinburgh Television Festival and Broadcast Magazine. When I say funded, I mean the the costs are covered. It's not a huge amount of funding. It pays for students to monitor these programmes. And we did a pilot on July the 1st, which was really, really interesting. And we've guessed which genre of programme has most ethnic minority people on it. Black and visible ethnic minority. Go on, guess. Can you guess? Sport, music? Mm, Keep trying. News? No, absolutely not news. News News Mm. is not good at all. Soaps. Soaps. Really? Soaps. Yeah. soaps. You see, but that is a tiny amount still on soaps, isn't it? Which shows you how bad the uh, proportional representation well, must be elsewhere. Well, it isn't actually that bad in terms of sheer numbers because it, it does actually, across all the channels, come out at roughly the, the number of ethnic black and Asian and ethnic visible minority people in the population. We've got this really complicated sort of way of classifying it to try and cover everything. But what we're also going to look at in our big study is the roles they play because, for example, Sky One did quite well, but that's because it had two great big police-based reality shows with lots of black and ethnic visible minority people getting arrested. Is that really what you want? I really admire this work because I think it's changing the, the, the nature of the argument and the debate. It needs an outside voice. Before the backslapping becomes uh, completely oh, yes. epidemic, let's move on to the show proper. We're going to start this week by talking about the BBC. Lots of interesting stories came out on Thursday, the day we're recording. Uh, first, there was the announcement that 415 jobs are to go in BBC News, affecting the News Channel, Panorama, Radio 4 and Newsbeat. But as soon as the axe drops there, 195 digital roles will be created in what boss James Harding calls a fourth revolution in news. It's a good bit of BBC speak, isn't it? And then moments later, the BBC Trust released a new report showing that the corporation's TV channels are all getting progressively older, with the exception of BBC Three, and that more needs to be done to get young people watching, which all sounds a bit ominous as they're about to rule soon on whether or not BBC Three should be moving online only. Uh, Liz, let's start with the cuts here. What's your take on these? I think it's it's really interesting. For a start, why do these uh, announcements always come out on a Thursday? That's interesting, isn't it? But perhaps not that interesting. Oh, no, well, maybe it is conspiracy theory. Why would that be? Oh, it could be because they know you're recording. <laughs> <laughs> I like that conspiracy. And, and, and why is the trust in competition with the BBC to sort of well, both, an, both announce big changes? Well, there could be some sort of tactic here in that they could be trying to make sure that people think the trust is actually different from the governance of the BBC because there is this huge confusion about what's the trust and what's the BBC. So it could be quite deliberate in order to say the trust can criticise the BBC. But on the other hand, it does look a bit cack-handed when it's something well, is blatant. One is upstaging the other. Yeah, absolutely. So that's peculiar in itself. And over the years, because I'm involved in journalism and education, I have tried to track the number of times the BBC has cut jobs and it's roughly every two years and it's roughly around, you know, between 500 and 1,000 jobs and it roughly ends up with the same number of people employed in news at the BBC. <laughs> So I don't know. What yeah. is really going on here is putting themselves into position for charter renewal. And it's like they're offering everybody all across the piece all sorts of things, all sorts of deals, because the really big thing that they're obsessed about is retaining the licence fee. And my view, they're going to make any sort of trade-off to get there. But if there's a focus on digital, if there is, then actually isn't that just the same as what we saw at the Telegraph a few weeks ago when we were discussing there? They were laying people off and hiring people in well, digital. That's what everyone's loss. doing. There's still a net 292, loss. 292, but they are creating one. 190 jobs. They're also, uh, interestingly, and I think this is a good move, they are realigning the troops a bit so that they're having 
correspondence in cities, more regional coverage, which yes, is impressive. absolutely essential. What I don't understand is quite what they're going to do with current affairs because they are ending the, 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 the dedicated correspondence on Panorama. Mm. Whether this means that they'll go down the Channel 4 route and uh, bring in uh, independent producers to do investigations, and it's worked very well for Channel 4, or whether named journalists within the BBC will take on a panorama or an issue because it's in their special area or they, they, they're they assigned to it. I just don't know. But that went tits up, didn't it, with the, the Savile inquiry on Newsnight mm. and they they actually moved away then from bringing in independent reporters. I think it's probably a good move to have more reporters do more things and not to have these silos within the BBC. But one of the things I would like to say about this, and you talked about the regions, is that there is quite a lot of evidence that, say, in local radio in the regions, there are some really serious anomalies about the way people are treated, the short-term contract working, the fact that reporters say working in one part of the northwest go to work I don't know this for I'm not going to actually cite this as, as, a, a, as a, a proper example but say for example they're working in Liverpool then they go to work in Manchester they have to retrain in Manchester so in effect they give two or three free days to the Manchester station having left the Liverpool station there are all sorts of really nasty anomalies that, that are involved at ground level in BBC local radio so let's not be too sanguine about the regions and what's the, going on there. One of the cuts there. too is, is this very short little news bulletin which uh, yeah, goes out on BBC Three again which it, it, it's all kind of nonsense, yeah, really. Might as well keep that my yeah. I think the, the real thing, actually, with BBC News is simply this ghastly presentation style. I mean, I can hardly watch it. It's so plodding. And I, I think it really needs a, a, a proper sort of kick up the bum. If you, I, I was interviewing uh, Nick Pollard, who uh, did the um, post-Savile investigation into what went wrong. And um, I'm afraid he was scathing. Well, but yeah, but he's, BBC I mean, to be... Sky News man, isn't he? Of course he's going to be. No, actually, he was saying he, he watched ITV News at 10 out of choice, and, mm. and I tend to agree with him. And Maggie, you mentioned bureaus on Panorama, obviously not contributing so much. They're actually losing all of their in-house staff. Uh, now, John Sweeney, the reporter, tweeted, this was a great day for the Church of Scientology, North Korea, the Barclay Twins and Glencore. Uh, very typical Sweeney tweet, that, wasn't it? I mean, all investigations he's worked on. Do you think there is an argument there, especially since we've been talking about now BBC and the window of creative competition changing regarding production generally. Do you think it's a good idea to signify that in news they won't be making their own programmes anymore? I, I feel the jury's out on this. I noticed that um, Kerry Thomas is reported as the new editor of Panorama saying that there was um, a lot of uh, money being spent at Panorama. And remember they'd also sent commissions out into the region. So there's been a sort of revolving of Panorama's uh, kind of staff anyway. So it hasn't seemed to me to be a very stable programme for some time. It has produced some extremely good investigations, though you have to say, over the past two or three years. So yes, one is, I think, cautious really about this move. All I would say is that Channel 4 is the channel that seems to be walking away with the awards when it comes to investigative current affairs. Then, of course, there's the BBC Trust report that I mentioned earlier as well regarding age. Lots of stats here. The average age of viewers on BBC One is 59. On BBC Two, it's 60. BBC Four, 61. Uh, and BBC Three, the only channel getting younger, although their average age is still 33. I'm 33. I feel too old for BBC Three. Uh, but BBC Three does reach over a quarter of all 16 to 34-year-olds, including one million viewers who don't watch any other BBC channel. So with the Trust report on BBC Three still to come, uh, Liz, does this look good for Tony Hall? 
think it's very odd. I mean, one of the things that I bang on about all the time is the fact that you can watch BBC material for free on the iPlayer, pick up your news maybe on your phone. Why pay the licence fee? All these young people, if they're going to watch BBC Three on their computer, how, how are they going to justify or how is the BBC going to get any money back from them? And it's it seems to me for the, the cost of what BBC Three is to be a little bit mad to put it out on a limb like this because mm. these are the people that they absolutely need to get hooked into BBC programming so they'll pay the money. Because but one of the problems that they also say in the report is that BBC Three hasn't established itself as an internet presence, an online presence. So why and so the internet? That, well, they, well, this is another, as you say, anomaly or one can't quite understand why this announcement has been made and the amount of money it saves does not seem that huge given this is the overall trend that... that BBC television is experiencing this greying of all of the other channels. Maybe they just had to do it on a Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) And one good thing about this, let's just be honest about the trust, it gets lots of brickbats, but it's the first time it's looked holistically across four channels, so it can actually identify not what's wrong with one, but what is happening overall and where the direction is going. And it's it's actually, you know, blown the whistle here and said there is a problem. So... The thing about BBC Three is that for many people, it doesn't have a distinctive presence. In fact, I know from my own son, who's 21, he he just uses it to watch Family Guy at Mm. 11 o'clock. So whatever the BBC does, given it's got this 26% of uh, cuts to make good by 2017, if BBC Three is saved, it can't really continue in the current television mode that it's in because Mm. it's not really working. But for many years now, channels have been identified with one or two programmes. Even when I was running UK Living, now living, you know, for a while it was Jerry Springer and then there were one or two other things, you know, Big Brother on Channel 4, so on and so forth. So I think the the notion of the... It's it's that they don't have a big enough programme of their own. Yeah, they need a hit. It's like more more bad education. If if they're most readily associated with an American import, that's not good for any BBC channel, is it? It's not not necessarily that bad. Being associated with something on on your own, is, but it's, it's not associated enough with one even and Tony Hall's now been in the job for 15 months which is uh, Entwistle to the power of eight I think uh, how's he doing Maggie I just feel it's in election mode Liz referred to the fact all it's really concerned about or focused on is getting a charter renewal and at least a decent license fee settlement if it's just the same and this is making it almost like a a politician bringing out a policy to appease one bit of the country or a a special interest group almost you know every week arts whether it's uh, music or whatever it is it it, it just sort of continues Uh, I've I've We've all been in these conferences where it's quite clear the BBC has very little interest in, for example, even charging or considering to charge for the iPlayer. Mm. All it sees is as the, the best way forward is that the charter and the licence continues for another 10 years. That's really all it wants. And it's quite depressing in a way. Lots of ideas, lots of food for thought there uh, for, uh, for Tony. OK, we'll have more stories after this. Hello, producer Matt here with a very quick word to say that this episode of the Media Podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio and online store. I've uh, built a couple of websites using the service. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. It's simple, easy to use, and uh, makes you look far better at building stylish websites than you actually are. Uh, that's my experience, anyway. Just drag and drop things into other things and let it do all the work. Plans start at $8 a month and include a free domain name when you sign up for a year. They're not just based in the States, but London and Dublin as well, so you can always get in contact with them any time of the day or night. Start a trial with no credit card required and begin building your website with Squarespace today. Let's cover some other stories now. And first up, have you ever had difficulty remembering all the names of the many different media corporations? Well, Rupert Murdoch is here to help by consolidating all your existing corporations into one easily manageable globocorp. Uh, yeah, this is the story that 21st Century Fox, as they are now, Murdoch's entertainment business, has made an $80 billion bid for Time Warner. It was immediately rebuffed, but Time Warner have said they would have to look at any revised offer. Why now? Well, according to the New York Times, you can trace the reasons for this deal back to Comcast's acquisition of NBC Universal in 2011, which itself sparked a whole new wave of purchases. Liz, it's going consolidation crazy again. Why is this happening? Well, I think it's because of the Comcast merger in 2011 and the fact that the regulators in the US did not object to that. So it was really putting up a flag to say, well, you know, you can take over anything if you want to and we're not going to make any sort of... uh, 
problems with that. And so, you know, if you've got a big beast like Murdoch who's looking for more and more, then this is obviously the way to go. And what is, there's two interesting things about this, I think. The first is that, in a sense, people are very surprised that media has suddenly become such an attractive acquisition. But actually, if you look at our lives, we are absolutely consuming media in a way that's out of all control. That's perhaps not the right expression, but, you know, it's absolutely huge. We're consuming more than ever before. In a way, media has become the new electricity or the new, you know, computer or whatever. It's really, really big. And, And the second thing is that somebody like Murdoch is is driven all the time, going for more and more acquisition and wanting to consolidate more and more. He's a really big beast. He's got incredible stamina and energy. And this is is the obvious route for him to go down. But in the end, who is going to be making the content? These companies are going to have to start new sort of subsidiaries that are going to be content making with their name on it. So we're going to get, what, two or three Hollywoods? Or are we going to get tiny little indies that are going to be making things for the great big corporates it's it's a really interesting time and even for uh, uh takeover business friendly happy americans you know the idea i think of one studio which owns both fox and warner brothers uh, both hbo and fx both cnn uh, and fox news i mean maggie that that is difficult to swallow isn't it even for americans well i, I mean we don't know that it will well, it actually happen and we don't know if it will go through and i suspect that um, neither side would be too wedded to maybe keeping cnn going mm. i suspect if it were to happen fox news would would triumph there but you have to remember that we, we were talking about Comcast, the, the, by far the biggest uh, cable operator and internet provider in, in America. It has already put in a bid for Time Warner's cable business, which is in front of the FCC, the, the regulator at the moment. So that's going on. So what you have in Time Warner is a company which isn't owned by a family or whatever we want to call the Murdoch clan, <laughs> but it's also in a way being stripped down to a much more desirable content and Hollywood and entertainment and channels business and so it's that which of course now goes with 20th Century Fox because they have themselves stripped out the old media and they would bring all of these things together. I think it's a very, very interesting deal. And, and Chase Carey, who is the man who is actually the chief operating officer of 21st Century Fox, is going to be over in London on, I think it's the 9th of September, for the Royal Television Society's big uh, heavyweight conference. And I think a lot of people are going to be very, very interested to quiz him on the state of the North American market. And, of course, it has huge implications for here because what we're seeing is that the North American uh, media giants are also investing hard and taking over businesses in the UK. And Liz, uh, Rupert Murdoch as well, he's he's 83 now. Uh, as you were saying earlier, you know, he's healthy, he's well fit, in it? But uh, this realistically is probably going to be his last big move if it does go through. Nothing, do you th- would, nothing would surprise <laughs> me, but yeah, that's what it looks like. Do, do you, you think reputationally it's important after the hacking scandal? Do you think that's part of what's going on or, or not at all for him? No, I don't think so. But I Maggie's Maggie nodding. Disagrees. No, I, I, I don't think, think it is. I think it is. And I, th- oh, I think it is for Chase Carey. And I mm. think it's a sign really that they, that they want to show that they they are big players and they're back in business. And in fact, as we know, the split of the Murdoch empire has actually benefited certainly both businesses by creating clarity and, and overall Murdoch's uh, wealth has gone up. 
I don't think it's so important to him reputationally. I just think he's somebody who's, you know, big beast of the jungle and has to keep on chomping and that's how it is. One of the interesting things which, which Maggie touched on also is that we're talking about these great big conglomerates, but the only reason the big conglomerates can move in is because in the case of Time Warner, it has actually divested itself of some of its elements and become smaller in turn. And if you look at the situation like Fox News versus CNN, if Fox News dominates and CNN is somehow eaten up by Fox News, someone else somewhere will start some sort of CNN. This is never still. This is an, an incredible bubbling pot with it things would be going sad, though, on. If CNN, the, the, well, I mean, the, the great granddaddy in 1980 of, of rolling news channels mm. uh, was submerged or was maybe, I think, sold off would be, the, mm. would, be, would be what has happened. But it too is struggling because it's caught really as trying to be, uh, you might say, a more impartial and calm internationally focused and it, it's clearly itself being changed by Jeff Zucker who came in to run it about 18 months ago. It's 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 all to play for. Oh, but remember Murdoch supports and supported from the start Sky News which didn't have a commercial imperative. So who knows? Anyway, it's all changing and it's exciting. Well, talking of rolling news channels, one of the big stories, obviously, that they are covering in depth is the uh, ongoing situation in Gaza. Uh, there have been protests outside BBC buildings concerning their coverage from the Gaza Strip, with both pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian groups accusing Western journalists of bias against their respective causes. So no change there then. One thing they both seem to agree on is that there is a lack of context for the escalation in violence. Liz, is is it realistic that with a context like Israel-Palestine, which could go back over a century, that you're ever going to get in every news bulletin the kind of context that both of these protesting groups are looking for? No, it's impossible. It's a really, really difficult job. I actually think that the, the British news media are doing a reasonably good job on this one. We are seeing, as far as I can be aware, as much balance as it is possible to bring into it. It's a terribly, terribly difficult situation. Of course it's going to be oversimplistic in some regards, but I am very much satisfied with the coverage that's coming out and I feel that I'm reasonably well informed. Yeah, I mean, Maggie, I suppose the danger is if you've got both sides saying that you're not reporting it fairly, the danger is not for the BBC, which has obviously got a commitment to do this, but for other news organisations, you might almost stop reporting it at all because of the controversy that's ensuing and that actually that would be worse for everyone. I don't think you can stop reporting it it's such uh, a terrible situation mm. and it's so heart-wrenching but it's, uh, it, it does go down the bulletins doesn't it when there's a cabinet reshuffle you know that's the thing but that's the nature of news i mean you may not like it but that is the nature of news I'm it, not sure. is I it new is it true well no. i mean that the, the deaths of four little boys on a beach that uh Big story came this thundering week. back yeah. uh, the next day after the cabinet reshuffle and i think there have been some quite thoughtful articles too in the newspapers Indeed. Well, we'll move on to radio now. And Arkiva, Bauer and UTV have all teamed up to bid for the second digital radio multiplex licence. Uh, you may remember that Channel 4 successfully won that multiplex way back in 2007, uh, only to hand it back a year later, having got cold feet about the whole radio project. Uh, this is good news, though, isn't it? That it seems like people are committing finally to digital radio. It seems to be something that is growing. Well, yes, and I, I, I lived through the 2007 handback and, of course, it was also very hit by the advertising recession and a stalling of digital radio rollout. So seven years on, it is, it is interesting. It's taken time, but they would seem to have got there. It is most definitely a vote of confidence in digital radio. Also, the partnership includes UTV, which, mm. of course, owns Talk Sport. So has a confidence really 
in radio and clearly has both advertising sales and it has an understanding which I find refreshing and I find that the this feeling of optimism is something which can only work for the good of both commercial radio and funnily enough BBC radio in the sense of needing competition in the DAB space. And Liz since Channel 4's plans went up in smoke as Maggie was referring to there a lot has changed. You've got Bauer buying Absolute Radio, Planet Rock uh, Global putting LBC nationally this year. Uh, Do you think this consortium are going to be able to make DAB work? Well, I should think so, because, well, they clearly think so. I'm a little bit confused as to how many DAB listeners there, there really are mm. out there in, in the great radio universe. But I am aware of how much more radio there is. You know, you go into the chemist, there's radio chemists. You go into the supermarket, there's radio supermarket. You go to the garage, there's radio garage, there's podcast. There's so much now. Um, and I have a lot of students who've gone to work in radio in areas where you wouldn't have dreamt there would be radio 10 years ago. So I'm, I'm an enthusiast for new radio. I'm not sure how the business plan works. I'm not really qualified to say, but I, I wish them all the best. I have to say that I personally don't really get the distinction between um, DAB and ordinary radio. I mean, I listen to radio mainly in the car and it sounds terrible wherever you go and whatever you do. So I don't know that, it, that this in itself, the technology in itself is important. But what I do think is important is, as Maggie identified, this new sense of optimism about radio. Right, let's move on to the ever-changing media quiz. Oh, That's right, everyone's excited. If it's for a cream egg, this is not the weather. Uh, This week, the format is, pay attention everyone, three tweets. Your job is to guess the media story that prompted the tweet. That's the right noise. Uh, Here goes. Tweet number one. It's from Nick Clegg. He says, Hope I don't look too 80s cabin attendant. What's the story that would prompt Nick Clegg to tweet that? Oh, the fact he hasn't been sacked? (laughs) Guess again. Is oh, it? the catwalk! Oh, the catwalk, yes, it's fashion. So it's the, Liz the got in there marginally closer, go the on. The Daily yeah. Mail did a... a, a re- was widely... I, I, won, I thought it was wonderful. It was very wonderful. Page three. It, it, they, did a, they did a catwalk of the women who'd been uh, appointed in the cabinet reshuffle and were widely criticised, and then they did a catwalk of the men. Mm. And actually, it was really funny, because I was in the office today, and two of the men in the office were having a really heated debate about what they should wear for the student graduation <laughs> next week, and all the women were killing themselves laughing. So things have changed in the last 20 years. But they only did that after the criticism. Oh, I mean, it, but it was a good response come on it was a good response but the issue should never have happened in the first place but widely predicted more women in the cabinet and then why would you talk about what they're wearing for goodness sake oh well that's because that's what they do you know i enjoyed it oh (laughs) well may i say you both look charming today ladies and so do you i just (laughs) absolutely love those puce colored shorts (laughs) (laughs) tweet number two it's from wiley that list is the saddest list in music history oh i know this This liz is is back two points to liz the quiz could be over hang on a minute it's it's the black Yes. Music yes. awards, and it was won by some white guy from Suffolk or Norfolk or yeah, you're nearly Ed, there. Ed somebody. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. That's what the kids call him. Oh gosh, I thought he was a controller of a radio channel. He was named the most important act in black and urban music by BBC One Extra, despite That's as you say being a ginger. Wow, it takes a journalism lecturer <laughs> to know all these incredible facts. Well, okay, Liz has won the cream egg, but uh, oh, no, I don't, don't want that. Don't phone in; it's just for fun. We're gonna we're gonna give you tweet number three anyway, uh, which actually isn't even a tweet; it's from Tumblr, but. Oh. Uh, Hey, we make up our own rules here. Uh, For those of you who had reserved seats, we are giving you an extra hour in the ball pit. Any ideas what that story might be referring to? Actually, I do know this one. It was this conference. Maggie, you've been thrashed. You've I'm been comprehensively thrashed. thrashed. I, I, I'm always thrashed. It was the, the conference about online 
Yes. Online publication, <laughs> Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, online stuff. turned up and it all went completely wrong. And it's about when is a fan base really a fan base and when is it just virtual? Because no one, no one really turned up to this conference, so they offered them all sorts of things to try and encourage them to Exactly go more to right. It is a message from the volunteer staff at the disastrous DashCon event in Illinois, which went viral this week. Uh, there were a number of high-profile cancellations. There was a shortfall of $17,000, which attendees had to stump up, and hotel mints were offered as competition prizes, <laughs> which seems perfectly reasonable compared to a cream egg. Uh, well, that's it uh, for this week. My thanks to Maggie Brown and to Liz Howell. Uh, we know that you audience really are real you're out there and from me thank you for backing us we'll be back in two weeks uh, you can get the podcast as soon as it's ready by subscribing go to the this week's episode is dedicated to backer mark owen not that one uh, mark is a multi-platform producer living in the north working at the bbc on games and stuff uh, and also jenny allen a non-media person who nevertheless loves this show and knitting possibly both at the same time the glory of audio thank you to you both i've been ollie man the producer is matt hill and the media podcast is a ppm production see you in a fortnight hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.